That's something to let go of, I think, wouldn't you say? So today, I'm going to talk about that because I'm going to talk about how, because I think if you've ever noticed getting stuck in sort of some mental habits of harsh self-talk, you know, and when, whenever you begin that, have you ever noticed sometimes it's really hard to interrupt it? It just, you can go in a circle thinking the same things over and over and over in your brain about different things. There's, there's different things that we beat ourselves up on, and everybody I know does it to some degree. Um, but it's really, and I, it's really important to understand how to interrupt that because it's so disempowering. It's one of the things that really zaps us of energy. And I was thinking about some of the shaming voices or harsh self-talk. And I want you to think about some of those for you. For me, one of the ones that um, I've been plagued with is, is thinking I'm fat. And I say that. I still, honestly, I'm still not really even good at not saying I'm fat all the time. But I was saying I'm fat back when I was a toothpick. I was going to Weight Watchers when I was 118 pounds, and they wouldn't even let me. Uh, my goal was to lose 10 pounds because I thought I was 10 pounds overweight, and I was really horrified and felt bad about myself. That's some pretty intense self-talk. If you see me, I, I'm on the video for Seekers Retreat. I was 118 pounds there uh, on the video, and I thought I was 10 pounds overweight. So I went to Weight Watchers, and they said, and I, you know, you get to put your goal down there, and I put 10 pounds. They said, um, you, we're not going to allow that here. It was too much weight to lose. But that's what I'm saying as far as sometimes the self-talk can be crazy, super harsh, very intense about areas that were critical of ourselves. Sometimes it can be about things that are in the past that we didn't do well, things we would rather redo over. Have you ever got stuck thinking that way, like playing something over and over and over again of, I should have this, I should have done that, if only. How about some other things? I always screw up, I can't get anything right, I'm stupid. Who do you think you are? I'm not good at anything. God's mad at me. I've heard that a lot too. People are afraid to go to God in prayer because they think God's mad at them for something that they've done. Also comparing, that's another way of harsh self-talk, right? Comparing yourself to somebody else. I'm not as successful as so-and-so. I'm not as smart as so-and-so. I'm not as attractive as this other person. Another way of harsh self-talk is shooting on yourself. Um, I always like that expression. A therapist once told me that it's kind of a thing, shooting on yourself. Sounds like something else, doesn't it? Uh, <laughs> What shooting on yourself looks like is, I should be further ahead by now. I should know better. How many of you beat up on yourselves because you made a mistake once and you think you should have learned and interrupted it and never do that again? You failed at something and you're saying, I should know better. I've been told. I know that this is a mistake. My actors do that all the time, you know, in learning something. I always think part of, um, you know, how I coach people a lot on harsh self-talk is in as a teacher because you can't learn things when you're beating up on yourself that way. It blocks you from receiving something when you're speaking so harshly. And a lot of times my actors think just because they screwed up once and I explained something to them that the next time they should have it perfectly. And life doesn't work that way. That's a little bit of shooting on yourself. You know, and I, I also, because we have a lot of people in our congregation in their 20s, it's always shocking to me, being in my 50s, that to hear 
people in their 20s beating up on themselves because they think that they should be so much more successful, that they should have all of life figured out, and that they're comparing themselves to some other person. You know, um, I don't, you know I, it's just like, how many people do you know that are phenomenally successful in their 20s? Not very many. But somehow, whoever those few people are that had some big, crazy success story um, in their 20s, everybody's comparing themselves to. But whatever age it is, it's, you know, in your 50s, it's regrets about things that you haven't done or think that you should have started earlier, et cetera. So these are kind of ways to, you know, speak harshly to yourself that are really destructive. And so I want to take a look at how powerful it is that we mind what we're thinking about, that we think about what we're thinking about and be aware of it. Because that's part of the issue, too, is not even realizing that you're doing it not even realizing that you're stuck in some of the patterns. So in Proverbs 23, verse 7, I love this verse. It says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. And the heart in the Bible means the innermost depth of your being. It usually represents kind of the, the, the not just the fleeting thoughts, because heart still means mind, right? I mean, it's not this part, you know, I would, it's not the, the thing that pumps inside of your chest, really, when we think of heart, it still is a piece of our mind in the way that we think. But heart in the Bible usually is speaking about the deepest part of our, our, of our mind, the part that makes up what we believe, it guides our decisions, etc. And so as you think, the way that we think in our heart, in the deepest part of who we are, becomes who we are. And so it's really important that we train our thoughts, that we make our minds behave in a way. We're going to talk about how do you make your mind behave? How do you be deliberate about what the majority of your thoughts are? Because how you spend your time thinking, the things that you spend the most amount of time thinking become a part of your heart. You condition it. And that's what guides your life. So it's kind of a big deal to be thinking about what we're thinking about. So um, let's go to Proverbs 16. Sometimes people think when it comes to the beating up on yourself that the answer is just being positive. You know, two words uh, that say that that's not true, American Idol. You know, you see some of these people that have an outrageous understanding of, of their talent that they think, you know, you see people that with the worst, most god-awful voices, who think they're incredibly talented. Is that helpful? Being positive is not helpful all by itself for many reasons. For one, you can't, you can't grow, you can't learn things if you can't take in the negative stuff. You have to be able to know what's not working. You can't fix anything if you don't know it's not working. You can't, you know, so you can't take feedback, but the problem is how we're taking in the negatives. The harshness is not the answer in this, and positive is not the answer either, of just self-pep talk. Maybe you guys have seen the little video. There's a little girl. She's pretty cute in front of a mirror, and she's like in front of the mirror, and she's, she's going, I am beautiful. I'm amazing. You know, it sounds like Stuart Smalley on Saturday Night Live, kind, kind of, you know, everybody loves me. I'm wonderful. Positive is certainly better than negative, I think, for the most part. But it's still, it's still not what the answer is. The answer is not, um, it's not black or white like that. We're going to talk about what the answer actually is. But first I want to kind of tell you, there's a couple of verses that talk about 
why the po overly positive thing is not good. In Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 8, it says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. So this is really interesting as far as um, pride. We always think of the concept of pride as being good usually, right? You know, oh, I'm proud. I mean, you know, I think we're using it a little bit differently in that context. It's good to feel good about the things that we do. But pride is the sense of, of superiority, you know, of vaunting yourself up. The Bible talks about being puffed up or having an overly positive uh, way of thinking about yourself. But the issue is that most of the time when people are doing this, they're doing it in a way to protect the insecure stuff. Have you ever noticed that? You know, you look on, um, well, that song, you know, don't you wish your girlfriend was hot like me? You know, it's just sort of like, <laughs> you know, just stuff like that. Like, it's just, it's, it comes from comparing, and the comparing is something you can never win at. If you are, are building yourself up at the expense of comparing yourself and saying, I'm better than somebody else, there will always be somebody better than you. It's a no-win situation. So getting our self-worth that way from comparing is a, is, is a black hole. It won't feed you. It won't fill you up or fill your tank. Um, and again, whenever there's pride there and being filled up, it doesn't let God in. It doesn't let feedback in. There's all kinds of good things that it doesn't really let in. Um, here's another one in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 3. It says... For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. So that's like the American Idol thing. But it's, um, you know, it's got that sort of sense of I've arrived or, or hoping that, you know, like where you're looking at the perfection. We talked about perfectionism uh, the other uh, Sunday. And so it, it's self-deceptive. Any time that we lie to ourselves, it's just not really helpful. So positive is just not the answer there. So what is the answer? Let's go to uh, uh, Romans chapter 8. Also, have you ever thought that maybe, sometimes I hear this, people beat up on themselves and they think it's helping that motivate you? Have you ever thought, oh, I need this to keep me in check? Like, here's where I need to be, and if I don't talk to myself this way, I'm not going to be tracking where I need to be. It's almost like you think that the harsh self-talk is a parent that keeps you in line and keeps you going. The Bible says that shame is never helpful. Shaming yourself is, is paralyzing. There's absolutely zero value in it. And in um, Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, it says, there, there, there is therefore now no condemnation, that's shaming, to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. So here's the thing that's interesting. The law. The law is what God said. The Old Testament, they call the law. It's, it's you know, started with the Ten Commandments. Is, that's a part of the law, but the law is actually much more involved than that. The Old Testament is the law. Those are the ordinance of God of how you're supposed to live life. 
And so if you are going to earn righteousness, righteousness is, you know, being goody-goody, you know, having it together. If you want to be the put-together person, then you need to keep the law, the Bible says. That, that it, in order to be righteous, self, like where you deserve righteousness in what you do, God says then you have to keep the whole law to be righteous if you're going to earn righteousness that way. And so it doesn't work because guess what? Nobody can do that. It's impossible. So, and again, that's a part of what sets up the comparing. If we think that there's some, like, bar that we're trying to reach, you know, then all that it does is make you compare yourself to somebody else if you're trying to be righteous by what you do, by earning it. So God says that the answer is grace. It is the fact that we cannot be perfect. We talked about this in the perfectionism uh, session. You cannot be perfect, so the answer is grace. It means that Jesus in his life paid the price for all of our failings and all of our shortcomings. So we don't have to earn righteousness. We deserve it by his blood, by nothing that we did. It actually says that, you know, that grace is the opposite of works, the opposite of earning something. It says if you work for it, it's no longer grace. It's not a gift. It's a payment if you're trying to earn something. So there's no condemnation to us because Jesus Christ in his blood paid the price for all of our shortcomings. And so it's receiving grace is a big part of making self-talk go, go away, the harsh self-talk go away. Now, it actually says, too, because in the Bible it says that everybody, sometimes people get really mad about grace because they say, oh, well, some churches get mad just teaching it, even though the Bible talks about grace constantly, because they're like, oh, well, they teach more grace but, and then you have to earn it. Once you get saved, that was grace, and then after that, you have to live a perfect life after that. Well, it's not grace anymore, if that's what that is. And because they say that they're afraid that people will kind of run amok, go crazy, run wild, do wild things, you know, if you teach grace, right? Because you could. The Bible says, shall we continue in sin that grace will abound? It's saying, how about we go sin a lot, then we'll have more grace. The Bible actually says that. How about that? Does that sound like a great plan? And then what the response is, what God says is, he says, yeah, you could. You absolutely could. That's how big grace is. You can do it. You can party to the most decadent things you could possibly, I don't know, whatever you think is the worst most horrible things, the things that you think God won't like, you could go ahead and do that and it's still grace. But what God says is that the reason that we continue to strive to live for him is because of his love. It says that the goodness of God leads us to a change of heart. That we do it because we're inspired by his love and goodness, not because we have to earn his love. It's because we've already got it and we're like, wow, God, you're so loving, you're so good. I want to live for you because I see healing in that. Um, that, that's, that that's what the inspiration is. So this helps get rid of the self-talk, the, the harsh self-talk. It doesn't work to get it all together to try and go to God. You know? Let's go to Romans uh, 12 and verse 2. It says, And do not be conformed to this world, 
but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I really like this a lot because there's a contrast here. It says conformed, and that word is just like being molded to something. So we have options. If, we do, if we're not proactive about our thoughts and what we do with our thoughts, we will be molded like a piece of clay, it says, to the world. And guess where you get beat up? In the world. How many times the messages that you get every day from people around you, from things around you, from our culture, even TV, that make you feel shame, that make you feel inadequate? How much, my gosh, you know, I, I work in entertainment. The images of what people think they're supposed to be and how inadequate you feel in comparison to that. There's a standard that nobody can attain. They always talk about that, all the airbrushing and all that. We're supposed to have bodies that look like that. I do that. I'm 55. I think I'm supposed to look like some model that's 25. It's insane, you know. But it's the world. We're going to get conformed or molded to the things we're fed in the world if we're not proactive about what, what we're thinking about. We have to think about what we're thinking about. Make our minds behave. So the opposite of conforming and being molded, if you're not proactive, you will be molded, is to be renewed in our minds, to put on new thoughts in our minds. We're going to look at how we do that. How, how do we do that to renew our minds? It says that we could prove what's that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know, in, uh, let's go to um, 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 5. And that transformed in that last ver verse is the word, the Greek word metamorpho, which we get the word metamorphosis from. It's transformed that our lives are radically changed by the renewing of our minds, that we can turn into, from a little scrawny caterpillar, that we can turn into a gorgeous butterfly, that metamorphosis by the renewing of our minds. So we want to know how to do that, how to renew our minds. Um, in 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 5, it says, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So this is kind of interesting here. We can't stop thoughts from jumping in our minds. We can't. We can't stop that from happening. You get negative, harsh self-talk happens, but you can decide if you let that thought stay and dwell on it. Most people do not understand. You've got control of your mind. You get to choose what you focus on. You can't stop the thoughts from coming in, so don't get mad at yourself for that. That's not your fault. When you get crazy thoughts, that's not your fault. But each of us gets to choose. Do we let it stay? Do we give it a home? Do we make it a, do, is that a thought we're going to make a little living room, make it real comfortable, feed it, feed it, feed it, you know, let it take over? You can't think two thoughts at a time. That's the key to a renewed mind. You can't stop your, you get a thought, it doesn't really work very well to say, just stop thinking that. Stop it, stop it right now. Stop thinking about that, right? Have you ever tried that? Especially with the harsh self-talk, right? You tell your mind, shut up, shut up, shut up. Well, that doesn't work either, that's kind of harsh. <laughs> Don't be harsh with yourself about the harsh voices. Sometimes you do that, have you ever done that? 
beat yourself up for beating yourself up? <laughs> kind of wacky, right? The key is you cannot, just try it right now. I want everybody to try and think two thoughts at the same time. How well did that work? Not so well. So the key to getting rid of the destructive thinking, whatever it is, right now we're focusing on harsh self-talk, but there's a lot of destructive thinking. Ideologies, are the, sometimes we have destructive ideologies. The key is replacing what you're thinking with, with something else. If you replace it with something else, and we're going to talk about what that something else should be, how you can feed it good stuff, the other stuff goes away. So you want to make your mind behave. Make it do what you tell it to do. Don't have your mind be running out of control with things that are destructive. Destructive thinking. I mean, destructive thinking is also stuff like just getting stuck thinking the, in the past. We're going to talk about that one too. You know, letting go of the past. You know, how many times do you get stuck like that? So um, let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to look at the answer. So we want to bring every thought into captivity, into the obedience of, of Christ. We get a thought, we decide whether it stays or not. Make your mind behave. Make it obey. Okay. It takes conditioning. It takes practice. It won't happen right away, too. So again, don't beat yourself up for this. In Ephesians chapter 4, in verse 15, it says, But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ. This is how we grow to be more Christ-like, is speaking the truth in love. That's the combination. So it's not positive. It's truth, but it's truth spoken with love. That's the combination. We want to embrace reality, positive and negative both. We want to be able to let both things in, positive and negative. Love. We need to let love in. Here's another one. Anybody struggle with somebody gives them some love and it's hard to let it in? Somebody tells you something that's special or valuable about you and you immediately kick it out and go, ah, they're just saying that. They're just being nice. They just think they have to say that. One of the things that we want to do, and I'm going to talk to you guys about how to talk to yourselves with this, is truth in love. Truth in love. Always check in your brain, am I thinking reality or not? And is it with love? So some of the things are that you're saying harsh things to yourself, like I'm saying I'm fat and going to Weight Watchers when I look like a toothpick. I was, you know, I'm 40 pounds more than when I was going to Weight Watchers right now. So you can imagine how insane that was that I'm sitting there thinking I'm fat. Some of you guys have got ideas about yourselves right now that are total lies. Areas that you feel not good enough or you're not embracing the gifts that God gave you because you're comparing yourself or you're not believing what other people say about you, you're not letting it in. I had one of my leaders come to me who's an amazing, amazing leader and everybody tells this person, wow, you're amazing. You are really, bless me. They constantly hear it. And they were like, I don't think it's true. They were having a hard time letting the good in. Even though they had heard it probably from, geez, dozens and dozens of people, wow, you're a powerful minister. You're a powerful leader. 
You have blessed me. You've changed my life. And this person was having a hard time believing it. So we talked about this on the self-talk thing. And I said, wait a minute, so you don't believe it right now. So just don't lie to yourself saying, I believe I'm a great leader, because that's a lie right now. You don't believe that. But here's what you can say. Say the truth in love. There's a lot of people that say I'm a wonderful leader. And since so many people say it, it has a good chance of being true. Do you know what I'm saying? That's how you can take in stuff. If you're having a hard time believing that about you, about what your gifts are, and this is what other people say about you, grab a hold of that stuff. Take truth and love, truth and love. Part of this is, you know, the devil is called the accuser. So he is always, if you're getting accusations, whether, whether they're true and harsh, it's from Satan. They could be true accusations, but if you're being harsh, that's what Satan wants to do to keep you paralyzed. We're going to talk about how to take in the negative in a minute. Or if he's just attacking you with things that aren't true, that's Satan. Because God says, we're going to look at some scriptures of what God says. Because guess what? God's word is truth. So that's a part of what you can take in. Renewed mind, putting on God's word in your mind. It's one of the reasons I like to memorize scripture. If you haven't tried it, it's an amazing way to have God's word right in your mind. The truth and the promises of God and what God says. Even if you don't believe it, you can say, well, God says this about me. And I'm going to give you a whole list of them. But, um, and if you guys want the teaching notes, you can put on your connection card today. Teaching notes, and we'll email you the verses so you don't have to write all of these down because there's going to be quite a list of things that are good stuff to memorize, keep in your mind to come against those harsh voices. We need others. We need God and others. We get from the outside to put that inside. Because that's how you know reality. If you are a closed system and you're trying to figure out everything just inside yourself without God and without others, you are not in reality. I can promise you that. You can't. You can't be clear and objective about all of you. We need God and we need others. We need to put stuff inside about who we are from other people, good and bad. We need to take that in. We need to take truth and love in from God and from other people. So Here's, an, uh, here's some stuff I want to help you with as far as how you can talk to yourself about negative stuff. And just, I'm going to give you some things to say. You can write some of these down that might speak to you. And then I'm also going to go over some of the promises of God to help you too, as far as getting clear on this stuff goes. One of the things as far as negatives, how to take in negatives with love. Whatever you're failing in, grace is a big one. I don't care if it's something that you screwed up in. It's not just a mistake, but it's a moral failure. And I've had some of those. I've had some massive moral failures in my life. I have acted the most unchristian. There were many, many years of my life um, that I was out of, specifically many years ago, I was really out of control in the area of relationships. Uh, cheated on my first husband throughout that entire relationship and told people about Jesus at the same time. 
You know those people that so many people say why they wouldn't be Christians because they're hypocrites. That was me. You know? Breaks my heart to think that. There's people in, in the world that say I would never go to church because of those hypocrites. I was definitely one of those hypocrites in so many ways. But I'll tell you something. What I know in my heart is that Jesus Christ paid the price for me. I didn't deserve his love, but his blood cleansed me from all unrighteousness and loved me in that space. And God was fighting for me to go on this healing journey that I could turn that around completely. And this is something that I, for years and years and years now, have not struggled with at all because God healed me, but it was grace and knowing I was loved. I knew I was absolutely loved. I had seen the power of God in other parts of my life, even when I was failing so much, and that grace is a big part of it, that God loves me right now no matter what. He sees the darkest part of me and loves me right now. That's what his word is. God's word says Jesus paid the price for me. Amen? Amen. God's word says Jesus paid for whatever that failing is, wherever the shame is, right now. I don't need to deserve his love. He loves me right now unconditionally. The other thing, too, is wherever you're at, no matter what, you can start over today. You can make another decision today in this moment to change whatever it is that you need to move towards God, towards healing. Receiving his grace today, you get to make another choice and set new patterns. And God can help. So that's, as far as failure goes, whether it's mistakes or whether it's, you know, big things, it's I can get help. God loves me. God is big and can help me whatever that is. If it's just failing because you have, can't figure things out, whenever you're learning something new, you're going to suck. We talked about that with the perfectionism. You know, To be awesome, you need to suck on the way. To being awesome, you need to suck. So it's normal to fail when I'm learning something. You know, I will make the same mistake over and over and over again for a while. I can learn. Learning anything takes time. These are things you can tell yourself. I can get help. Some of the negatives, some of the things you can say when you're comparing yourself to other people and not seeing your value is, I have gifts and talents unique to me. You know, one of the things was uh, in ministry, um, you know, comparing myself to my mentor who's uh, 32 or something and he just knows everything. And I'm like, wow. And I, one day I like broke down and started crying and just said, I don't know, I'm 55, I don't know anything, you know everything. And you know, I just feel stupid doing this ministry stuff. I don't know if I can do it. And he's like, don't you listen to that. That's a lie from the devil. It's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> we need others sometimes to speak those things to us too. You know, that's one of the reasons fellowship is such a big deal. You need some of those voices to interrupt some of the harsh self-talk. Everybody's got stuff to give. You've not, somebody's going to be a better singer than you if you're a singer. But you can still give your gift, you know. Somebody's going to be a better mechanic, a better scientist, a better whatever you do. But you can still give whatever gifts that yours are to give. I'm one of a kind. 
My life matters. I can make a difference. I'm valuable to God. I don't have to be great at everything, but I can just be the, give the best of who I am. Those are some things that you can say. Now, part of this is don't be wimpy when you say this to yourself. I'm serious. I think you got to, I make people say it out loud. And when I coach my leaders, my leadership team, they'll tell you. I say, no, 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 no. Say it like you mean it. You know, whatever it is, whatever you need to do. God says, I'm more than a conqueror. God says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I made a list of some of the verses of things that you can say to yourself. How God sees you. I think these are pretty great. In Isaiah, it says, I am tattooed on the palms of his hands. God says that as a figure of speech because obviously, you know, God's spirit doesn't have hands. But it's a figure of speech because coming from the fact that the supposed to be the most sensitive place to get a tattoo is on your hands for one thing, that it would be very painful in the palms of your hands to get a tattoo. And then also the fact that we would always be in front of his face in that way. So it's a, it's a figure of speech indicating his love and how valuable we are to him, that he, we are tattooed on the palms of his hands. In Romans 8.1, we had read this, there is no condemnation in Christ. And in Romans 8.31, these are just sort of the essence of the verses. You can look these up. I didn't print the whole verse out. God is for me. Let's say that one really boldly. No wussy. No wussy. Ready? God is for me. Okay, one more. Really give it all you got, right? We're ready. God is for me. Yeah. Who could be against us? No one. Okay, good. Oh, I got an, uh, another one. Romans 8.37. I am more than a conqueror. The Bible says that, that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. A conqueror, you think, is being kind of a badass, right? Like kicking butt, you know, conquer, boon, you know, powerful. It's talking about the fact that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, the Bible says. So whatever your obstacle in front of you, God is that big. And in Romans 8, 38, so there's a whole bunch of these in Romans Nothing shall separate me from the love of God. In 1 Corinthians 12, 14 through 25, I am important and one of a kind. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21, I am a new creature. I can start over. This really spoke to me when I, was, when I got saved is the, is the fact that old things can be passed away in Christ and all things can be made new. No matter what it is, God can make anything new ahead of you. It says, oh, um, in, in Ephesians 1, 4, it says, I am chosen before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless. In Ephesians 2, 4, I am his masterpiece. Oh, let's say that one. I am his masterpiece. Okay, one more with that. I am his masterpiece. Yeah, poema is the Greek word. Okay. In Philippians 4, I can do all things through Christ. This one I say a lot of times. Whatever it is that you're up against. No, no, no. You know what? We were kind of a little bit negative church a year ago. A little bit. We had a little negative Debbie Downers. Had some Debbie Downers thing going on. And we just decided this year we're going to be a can-do church. Because the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. That that's how we look at it. I can do all things through Christ. I can do. How about you guys? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's a long one. 
learn that one though. Uh, in Colossians 1, 27, it's Christ in me, the hope of glory. In 1 John 3, 1 and 2, now I am a child of God. 1 John 3, 20, if my heart condemns me, God is greater than my heart. And then in uh, 1 John 4, 4, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Okay, so in concluding, your thoughts radically impact your mind your life, radically impact your life. So think about what you're thinking about and make your mind behave. Renewed mind, renewing it, renewing it by putting in truth and love from God, from God's word, and from other people. Make our minds behave. Bring every thought captive into the obedience of Christ. The goal is not to be positive or shaming, but the goal is truth and love. We want reality, but mixed with love. If you fail, just speak really nicely to yourself about it. Don't ignore the failure. Just say, hey, you know what? God loves me anyway, and I can change. Today's a new day. I can start over. Learn to take in the positives that are truth and not dismiss them, not just kick them out, and practice your self-talk, and be bold, not wimpy about it. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, help us, God, to... Take in your truth. Um, help us to just let go of this beating up ourselves and the harsh, destructive self-talk. And help us to believe what you say about us. Help us to receive your grace and know that we don't have to deserve things. That we can start over. That we lo are loved unconditionally just the way we are. And that when we fail, that you are there to help. That we don't have to go it alone. That we have you, God, and we have the body of Christ that we can reach out to help for. Thank you, God. Amen.